Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jay is for Justice. My name is Jay. I'm your host. If you're new here, please click that subscribe button if you like what you see today and give that video a thumbs up. Danielle Nicole Van Dam was born September 22nd of 1994. She was the only daughter to Damon and Brenda Van Dam. Danielle also had two brothers. On the evening of Friday, February 1st of 2002, Danielle Van Dam's mother, Brenda, and two girlfriends went out to a bar. Daniel's father, Damon, stayed home with Danielle and her two brothers. Damon put Danielle to bed around 10.30 p.m. and she fell asleep. Damon also slept until his wife returned home at around 2 a.m. with four of her friends in tow. Brenda noticed the light on the home security alarm system was flashing and discovered that the side door to the garage was open. The six friends chatted for about a half an hour, and then Brenda's friends went home. Damon and Brenda went to sleep, believing that their daughter was sleeping in her room. About an hour later, Damon awoke and noticed that an alarm light was flashing. He found the sliding glass door leading to the backyard open, so he closed it. The next morning, when the Van Dams awoke, their daughter Danielle was missing. And that was when her parents called the police at 9.39 a.m. Danielle became the subject of search efforts, with hundreds of volunteers searching deserts, highways, and remote areas for weeks. Finally, on February the 27th, two searchers found her nude, partially decomposed body near a trail in Dehesa, California. Some searchers had decided to search the Dehesa Road area near the trail after detectives discovered traces of Danielle's blood in David Westerfield's motorhome. Law enforcement officials had interviewed the Van Dam's neighbors on Saturday morning of Danielle's disappearance. And they discovered that one neighbor, David Westerfield, was not at home. Westerfield was employed as an engineer, 49 years old, and had several patents for medical devices. He had no criminal record at the time and was a divorced father of two college students. 
He lived two houses away from the Van Dams and owned a luxury motorhome. About three days after Danielle's disappearance, Danielle and Brenda had sold Girl Scout cookies to Westerfield, who invited them into his home. Brenda asked to see his kitchen because she had noticed it was being remodeled when they had sold cookies to him the year before. On Saturday morning, Westerfield fetched his motorhome from another part of town, docked it with supplies, and left home at 9.50, minutes after Brenda called 911 to report Danielle missing. Westerfield later told police he had driven around the desert and beach in his motorhome and had stayed at a beach campground. This was later confirmed by witnesses, cell phone records, gas receipts, and credit card records. Westerfield said he had intended to go to the desert, but realized he had forgotten his wallet, so instead drove to the campground at Silver Strand State Beach. He paid in advance for a two-night stay. However, he decided the weather was too cold, so he returned home to look for his wallet, after which he went into the desert. A witness at Silver Strand later testified that he saw Westerfield pull out his wallet while at the campground. He drove to the desert where he got stuck in the sand on Sunday morning about a quarter mile off the road and needed help from a tow truck to get free. On his way home on Monday morning, a sleepy looking and barefooted Westerfield stopped at his regular dry cleaners and dropped off two comforters, two pillow covers, and a jacket that would later yield traces of Danielle's blood. When law enforcement first interviewed Westerfield, he did not mention going to the dry cleaners, although he detailed about every other stop on his outing. Law enforcement placed Westerfield under 24-hour surveillance on February 4th, noting that he had given his RV a cleaning when he returned from his trip, although he maintained it was normal for him to do so. His motorhome, SUV, and other property was impounded for testing on February 5th. Westerfield stated that he did not know where Danielle was, but said he had been at the same bar that Brenda had been to Friday night, which Brenda confirmed. On February 22nd, police arrested Westerfield for Danielle's kidnapping after two small stains of her blood were found on his clothing and in his motorhome. Danielle's partially decomposed body was found February 27th. Westerfield pleaded not guilty and went on to trial on June 4th of 2002. In pretrial motions, Westerfield's lawyers moved to have his statements to police excluded, charging that he was unfairly interrogated for more than nine hours by detectives who ignored his repeated requests to call a lawyer, take a shower, eat, and sleep. In the end, the two officers against whom the defense directed their complaint did not testify. The forensic evidence presented by the prosecution included Danielle's bloodstains on Westerfield's jacket and on the floor of his motorhome. Danielle's fingerprints in the motorhome, hairs from the Van Dam family dog on Westerfield's motorhome bed comforter, Hairs consistent with Danielle's on the sheet of his bed and matching acrylic fibers found on Danielle's body and in Westerfield's home, among other evidence. One witness testified that she had left a side door in the garage unlocked, and prosecutor Jeff Dusek theorized that Westerfield might have entered this way. He empathized, however, that the prosecution did not have the burden to demonstrate how the kidnapping was done, only that it was done. During the trial, Westerfield's lawyers suggested that the police were in a rush to solve the case and that they declined to consider other suspects. They suggested that the child porn found on Westerfield's computer was downloaded by Westerfield's son, Neil, who was 18 at the time. In testimony, Neil denied this. Part of Westerfield's defense focused on the lifestyle of Danielle Van Dam's parents, who, they argued, had an open marriage, were swingers, and smoked marijuana in their garage regularly. The defense suggested that because of this lifestyle, 
there may have been other people in the home that night. To establish an alibi for Westerfield, the defense called three entomologists, who testified that insects first colonized Danielle's body sometime in mid-February, long after Westerfield had been under police surveillance. The prosecution's entomologist testified that Danielle's body could have been colonized as early as February 2nd. In closing arguments, Feldman argued that no evidence of Westerfield was found in the Van Dam residence or at the body dump site, and that a foreign hair found under Danielle's body was not his. In rebuttal, Dusick argued that it is plausible for an intruder to enter a home without leaving trace evidence, especially if he is taking appropriate precautions. Also, Dusick argued, the nature and volume of Danielle's trace evidence in Westerfield's home and motorhome and on his jacket allows no reasonable explanation other than guilt. The trial lasted two months and concluded on August the 8th. On August 21st, the jury found Westerfield guilty of first-degree murder, kidnapping, and possession of child pornography. During the penalty phase of the trial, Westerfield's 19-year-old niece testified that when she was seven years old, her uncle entered his daughter's bedroom where the niece was spending the night with her parents and woke up to find him rubbing her teeth. She said she bit his finger as hard as she could, then went downstairs to tell her mother. Westerfield was questioned about that incident at the time by his sister-in-law, where he explained that he had entered the bedroom to check on the children and was trying to comfort her. The incident was then forgotten. In January of 2003, Judge William Mudd sentenced Westerfield to death. Westerfield is currently incarcerated at San Quentin State Prison, where his appeal is pending. The Van Dams sued Westerfield, but the case was settled out of court. The Van Dams were awarded $416,000 from several insurance companies who insured Westerfield's home, SUV, and motorhome. The settlement also prevents Westerfield from ever profiting from his crime. When the trial was over, the media, quoting unnamed police sources, reported that Westerfield's lawyers were just minutes away from negotiating a plea bargain. When a group of private citizen searchers organized by the Laura Recovery Center found Danielle's body. According to these reports, under the deal, Westerfield would have taken police to the site where her body was located in exchange for a sentence of life without parole. Both the prosecution and the defense declined to comment on these reports. Many people at the time, including Fox News commentator Bill O'Reilly, expressed outrage at the revelation, claiming that Westerfield's attorneys misled the jury by proposing an unknown kidnapper scenario, even though their client said he knew the location of the body. However, legal specialists pointed out that defense attorneys are obligated to mount a vigorous defense regardless of their own opinion or of the client's guilt or innocence. In the months following the end of the trial, audio tapes of Westerfield being interviewed were released to the media. During his first interview, he is heard asking an officer to leave your gun in here for a few minutes in a seeming suggestion that he would like to commit suicide. In one police interview, he tells investigators that he doesn't feel emotionally stable. And in another interview, he is told that he failed a polygraph test. Westerfield says he wants a retest and that he was not involved in Danielle's disappearance. In late 2003, San Diego police received a letter from an outside party confessing to Danielle's murder. The author of the letter claimed to be James Selby, a man accused of various sex-related crimes in five states, including the San Diego area. Both police and Dusek read the letter and deemed it not credible. 
However, Dusick forwarded the letter to the office of Westerfield's attorney, Steve Feldman, who declined to comment. Selby, who also claimed responsibility for the slaying of John Benet Ramsey, committed suicide while awaiting sentencing in Arizona on November 22, 2004. The years after little Danielle's murder have led to increased levels of crime awareness in San Diego's neighborhoods, as well as the institution of funds and benefits made in her honor. Her family still lives in Southern California. They have formed a Danielle Legacy Foundation, which works to promote volunteerism that will initiate positive changes that will put our children's safety first. An overpass on Interstate 8 in El Cajun has been named the Danielle Van Dam Memorial Overpass. It is near the place where her body was found. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. We're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old school greats and new school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.